Okay, tov everyone. Thank you. <coughs> thank you for coming. And uh, thank you to Torah anytime for helping disseminate these lectures, these shiurim. We are taught in the Talmud that the Torah is really not five books of Chumash, Breshit Shmot, Vayikra, Bamidbar Dvorim, but it's really seven books because the Chumash Bamidbar is divided into three sections. In the Torah itself, literally in the scroll that that division is completely recognizable because by Hebin Soah own that Posuk and Uvenucha Yomar are uh, encompassed in uh, what we would call parentheses backwards noon that highlights that this is different than uh, the rest of the text. So therefore you have a Chumash Bamidbar until Vayibim Soharon. Then you have a Chumash Bamidbar of Vayibim Soharon and Uvenucha Yomar. And then you have the third part of Bamidbar from there to the end. There is a great idea that lies behind the always the, the uh, interpretations of Chazal are on many different levels. And uh, sometimes, therefore, it's difficult to comprehend them all. Why is it split? What's the split here? If, for instance, we were the editors of uh, Torah Shabbik Sav, of the Torah, uh, we would perhaps make the split somewhere else. There will be a split, let's say, before uh, the exodus from Egypt. After the action is a different uh, level of communication. Or there are other places that if we're splitting, we could split. What idea lies behind the fact that we're going to take this Chumash and divide it into seven sections instead of the one? So there are many approaches to this subject, but the one I want to use this morning I find fascinating. And it says that the Chumash is basically divided between the period of time before the Jewish people created the golden calf the Egel Azov, 
and the rest of the Chumash is post Egel Azov after the golden calf had been built and worshipped and that entire scenario took place and they base it on the fact that uh, when uh, Moshe prayed to heaven that the Jewish people should be forgiven and not be destroyed because of the sin of the golden calf so in heaven they allowed him that there never would be a complete retribution but they told him on the day that I come to collect for other sins or other troubles uh, I will also add to the bill a piece of the Egel Azov so then in all of the uh, events that we read in the Chumash and in Tanakh there's always a piece of the Egel Azov that is there and that therefore the dividing line in Jewish history or in the Chumash is the incident of the Egel Azov so you'll ask why doesn't it say about Egel Azov by Ibn Soa and Vnucha Yomar why does the Torah wait until Bamidbor to introduce us to those two psukim which are a, a, a chumash by themselves so that's the Machokas Rashi and the Rambam, Ramban on whether Ein Mugdom Mukhar by Torah or not there's the Torah bound to any chronological rule Rashi holds Ein Mugdom Mukhar by Torah there's no chronology in the Torah so therefore things that happened hundreds of years before are written now because the Torah is not bound by time and the Ramban says no that even though the the Chazal do introduce us to such a concept the Torah is not bound by that the Torah is perfect chronology and therefore this split happened later didn't happen at the time the Egel of Zav so based on that so then the, the entire idea is also subject to different interpretations now uh, the idea that Ein Mugdam Mukhar Batora that Rashi follows allows a great latitude in interpretation. Because I'm not bound by time. The Torah doesn't put things in chronological order. So things that happened, so to speak, first don't have to be listed as first. 
which really allows for a great deal of latitude in interpreting the Torah. This goes to the heart of the matter. I know I'm I'm digressing a little, but uh, I'm sure you're following. Is time a creation? Or is time an absolute? This was discussed by the Greek philosophers. discussed by Aristotle especially but it's discussed by all of the great Meforshim in Tanakh as well the view of the world until our century was that time was an absolute that the Rabboni Shalom so to speak in creation is also bound by time. Time is one of the raw materials in which creation can occur and be built. We find already in Medrash that the Jewish view was that time is not an absolute. Time itself is a creation. which again will allow us a much greater latitude in dealing with the problems of how old the earth is and uh, how uh, how are we to understand everything that goes on. I mean, it's such a complicated universe you can't imagine. There's a new telescope uh, called uh, the James Webb Telescope named after the head of the astronaut program, uh, James Webb. I guess it's an honor to have a telescope named after you. (laughs) That is far superior to to the Hubble telescope, which until now has existed in space. Now the Hubble telescope is one of the wonders of technology. And it allows human beings on earth to peer into the universe. So to speak, to go back who knows how long. Because light from distant stars, etc. So it would take that there's such a thing as a light year, right? Uh, it, It takes a long time. So that much of what we see now when you look at the stars in terms of time, that light that we see now is uh, left uh, that uh, star uh, thousands of years ago. And uh, so now they have this new telescope because the Hubble telescope uh, doesn't have the power to peer through, let's say, the black holes that exist in space, etc. And now they've got this thing is the wonder of wonders. 
So they turn it on. So when they had the Hubble telescope, there was a space in space that was completely black. Couldn't figure out what it was. Some said it was a black hole. There, there was a star there that collapsed and the gravity. I mean, all of this is so mind-boggling, you know, that... Uh, it's hard for the human mind to encompass it hard for us to understand what universe we live in with the new telescope they look at this black space and they see it's not black and they see that there are at least 10,000 galaxies that exist in this black space but it is so far from us that the light hasn't reached us yet. So to speak, you can see, you can see Masebreshis. That's what we say in Davning, The world is created every day. We're seeing now creation. So that was the theory of the Big Bang. All of the astronomical theories that exist are based on the fact that we're going back in time. So what about time? It's artificial. We say uh, that light goes 186,000 miles per second. We invented that number. Time itself is uh, creation. There's no absolute in it. So until the 19th century, if you held if you held like that, then it was an asthma to be able to say that all the scientists said you were wrong. There's a famous piece in the Tosus Reed, Rabbi Shia de Trani. The Trani is an Italian city on the boot of Italy it's on the heel of the boot there was a time that it was a great Jewish community today there was nothing there anymore and there's a famous family the Tronies named after the fact that they came from that Italian community So, Vishaya uh, Trani, the great Rishon, was a disciple of Ramina Tam, of the Balitasis. Traveled from Italy to France, he was in the Yeshiva Ramina Tam. Someday I hope we can give a lecture what did the Yeshiva look like before there were Yeshivas. So that you also need a telescope. <laughs> You can be sure that the yeshiva of Shem Ve'evil didn't look like Ponovish. <laughs> Though Ponovish is in that tradition. Anyway, so Shaida Trani was a, uh, uh, had a lot to do with astronomy and with non Jewish scientists in his time in the 11th and 12th century. 
So in Masechah Shabbos, he discusses a uh, debate that he had with these non-Jewish astronomers, which was part of the church then. And uh, the non-Jewish astronomers claimed that time is absolute. And that, so to speak, the Lord also has to operate within the confines of time. And Shaitan Chani said that that is blasphemy. The Lord has no constraints. And therefore we have to say that time itself, as we judge it, is a creation. So just like there's a creation of an apple tree, or there's a creation of a lion, or the creation of human beings, there's a creation called time, by which we measure chronological events. But it's not an absolute. The Rabbani Shalom is a hoya hovev The Tasis read says, God is omnipresent. It's not God was yesterday, and he's today, and he's going to be tomorrow. It's that by God there is no yesterday, and there is no present, and there is no tomorrow. Again, it's not an easy concept for human beings to wrap their mind about, especially if you want to buy a Rolex. But he maintained that time was an absolute. It was, a, it, was, it was not an absolute, while the non-Jewish philosophers. And the second question they uh, disagreed with is Rabbeinu Tam's famous uh, opinion that there are two sunsets, two shkiot. That's how we come that people wait 72 minutes so it's 72 minutes after the first Shkia, because then there's a second Shkia, which is the real Shkia. So they said, what, what is Rabbi Tam talking about? Apparently, it was very commonly known, the opinion of Rabbi Tam. You know, the old joke about the, the uh, non-Jewish caretaker in the synagogue and somebody asked him, you know, what time is Havdalah, Saturday night? And he said, I don't know. But I do know they're always waiting for somebody named Rabbi Tam, and he never shows up. <laughs> so uh, Rabbi Tam said, there's a Shkia when the sun sets from the horizon. In other words, when we're looking at the horizon, I say, let's say, Shkia today is 808. So at 808 in the, in the city of Jerusalem, the sliver of the sun is gone. It's below the horizon. But he said, that's not the real Shkia. You have to wait 72 minutes. We'll discuss in a minute how we come to 72. So he says, he puts it in a strange way, Rabbi Tam, the Tesis and Shabbos. 
He says, like the sun goes to sleep. So the non-Jewish philosophers said to the Tasis Reed, what do you mean the sun goes to sleep? What is it? It's a child play. We know the sun doesn't go to sleep. They also were aware that all of Judaism is based on the fact that the earth is round, not flat. Which, again, in the Middle Ages was heresy to say. You know, uh, woke always came in different forms. So you can never say against the established opinion, no matter how wrong it is. So I mean, so the Tesis Reed answered them. He writes, "Abena Tom was a holy man." He said. So he didn't want to talk in the language of the non-Jews. He didn't want to talk in scientific language. So his language was that of heaven. So when he says it goes to sleep, that's a heavenly description of what happened. He's not talking science. But that since he's such a holy man, he doesn't talk the way you talk. He said, I'm, t- I'm talking to you, you know, we're, I'm not that holy, but he is. The Marshal holds that Rabbi Tam is the equal of the Rambam. So he's a holy man, so he speaks in these terms. But he said, I'll explain it to you so you'll understand. What does he mean there are two sunsets? So he says, the earth is round. There is a theory proven over and over again called the refraction of light. In other words, light bounces against, let's say, a wall. Part of the light bounces up so that you're able to see the light that hit the wall. You're able to see it 15 feet above where it hit the wall because the light has been bent that's the refraction of light so he said the first shkia is when the sun is no longer visible the second shkia is when the angle of refraction is so great that you can no longer see the refracted light of the sun and he said, the Gemara seems to think that that takes four times uh, uh, what the Gemara calls three quarters of a mile, which we define as 18 minutes. So therefore, that's why it's 72 minutes, because that's the maximum angle of refraction of light. And that's the Shkia. So according to this discussion, it's obvious that both Rabbeinu Tam and Thesis Reed held 
that time is a creation. It's not an absolute. Because otherwise you can't have a theory of refraction. Now, because of that, that time is a creation. So Einstein came along at the end of the 19th and the beginning of the 20th century. And he proved that light is not an absolute. And that time is not an absolute. Because by bending it, you make it closer by bending it the other way you make it farther so he was able to prove by physics that time is not an absolute time is relative which is an enormous contribution to understanding the Torah if we think about it so because time is relative it's a creation because if it's a creation, God does not operate within it. It's above time. So there is this concept. And therefore Rashi can say, In the Torah there is no chronological rule for time. Because time is a creation. And uh, that has been the basis for a great deal of Jewish philosophical thought until today. So when we look at the ego, we look at the sin of the golden calf. So uh, the Moshe was told, Beyond Pokti Pokariti, on the day that I come to punish them for whatever they are doing, I take a piece of the eagle with me. What does that mean? That means that the eagle is with us eternally. It's always here. So there are sins that can be forgiven. Sometimes if they're forgiven, the slate is wiped clean. They don't exist anymore. But the eagle was a sin of such magnitude that it was never forgiven. <coughs> it's omnipresent. It's also It was, and it's always here, and it will be here. And therefore it's collected. The Ram Shalom corrects, uh, collects always. And on that basis, therefore, the Torah is to be divided into these different sections. There's a Torah before the eagle. So that's the Machlekes Rashi and the Ramban, whether the building of the Mishkan was before the eagle, or whether it was after the eagle as a kapora for the eagle. Again, the basis of that is how do we look at time? 
So the, in the Torah, in this parsha, we see a few incidents that to us do not appear major. There's the incident, Yisrael goes home. Your father and all left. Take him to the plane and goodbye. And Torah makes a big deal on it. And Moshe says, Oh no, please don't go away. We need you. It's the beginning of the crack that will doom the generation of the desert. Then they're hungry. They want a variety of meals. The human beings are, uh, we, we are uh, so adjusted that uh, we have to have taste and substance, etc. Otherwise, it doesn't mean anything. It can give you all the nutrients you want in a pill or in an infusion, but that's not going to satisfy you. So they complain. We only have the mon. Okay, it's a sin, but you know, it's not the... The, the, the uh, child says to his mother many times, yeah, I don't like this. You know, the famous uh, joke about the child that he was already five years old and hadn't spoken a word. The parents had tried everything and they were besides themselves. And one day the boy is sitting at the kitchen table and she gives him a bowl of porridge to eat. And he says to her, it's too hot. And she's overjoyed. She calls up her husband at work and says, you know, Johnny smoked today. Then after she calms down, she says to Johnny, why didn't you ever say anything until now? He says, until now, everything was fine. <laughs> so they don't like the moon. So it's such a great sin. And it's a plague that bursts out. More people die from this than died from the ego. And then we're going to have countless other stories that are going to follow. You're going to have the spies. Oh, it's a, it's a, the spies got it wrong, right? The CIA is wrong. So what? What's the big deal? The whole generation is going to be destroyed. And Aaron and Miriam speak against Moshe. Okay, so why should she become a leper? If you look at all the incidents in the Chumash Bamidbar, it's a death by a thousand cuts. Each one by itself is not such a big deal. And yet it's the destruction of that generation. Because in every cut there is the ego. And the ego is what weighs against the Jewish people. 
It's not the immediate sin, so to speak. And that's part of the idea of timelessness. The eagle is always here. I didn't pick an eagle. I never saw it. But things that happen to the Jewish people now also happen because of the eagle. And this insight is what Chazal used when they discussed the fact that the Torah is divided into three sections. There's a pre-Egel Chumash, there's the Egel itself, and there's a post-Egel Chumash. And because of the post-Egel Chumash, then all of these things take on a gravity that otherwise perhaps they would not have had. And uh, this, uh, this doesn't answer the problem, but it does give out an insight is that many times we see that the punishment is greater than the crime. Why does God do that? No matter how sinful the Jewish people were, how, well, what, go explain the Shoah. Because there was Zionist movement, a million and a half Jewish children have to be destroyed. Doesn't make any sense. So apparently the Egel tips the scale in all of these matters. And the Chazal, in order to make that clear to us, pointed out that there are different divisions in the Chumash. And that one of the dividing lines, if not it is the dividing line, is the Egel Azov itself. What went on before, what went on during, and what went on afterwards. And I think that that is a great insight into uh, perplexing things that we read about and that the Mephorshim attempt to discuss with us. This is a way to think about things. It's a, a psychological telescope that allows us to see things in a different light. So Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Thank you for coming. Shalom. 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 Sure. Thank you. Good to see you back. Yeah.